0: Hey, everyone. This is uh, Jason. We have a super special guest this morning, uh, a friend of ours and maybe the most influential person in my theological life is a guy named Tom Thatcher, who is my professor of New Testament studies at Cincinnati Christian University. But as seminarians are wont to do, we talked for like an hour and a half. And so, for today's podcast, we're going to try something new. I'm going to break it up into three different parts that are about 25 minutes each, so that um, so that it's more manageable in chunks. Uh, let me know if you think that that's a good format, or if you like the the hour long format better. And uh, I hope you really enjoy this podcast. Thanks.
1: Welcome to episode 13 of Bastard Pastors. Although
0: episode 11 is still not online. Oh yeah, because
1: actually in the last episode we referenced the episode before oh. that we still haven't aired yet. Okay. It's a mystery to all. Um, 13's a this number. is my sister's favorite oh. <laughs> Spiritual podcast, because I mentioned different bastard every time. <laughs> my yeah, sister is yeah, yeah, sort of a bastard. It, it's somewhere, somewhere in the
0: hills of North Carolina they're not listening to our podcast. Oh, yeah. Is that I don't, what you're saying? I don't
1: think my sister even knows what a podcast is, so I think we're do good. Do your parents listen? I don't know. They've never said you they know, do. You know,
0: once I, you made a, a reference. It wasn't unkind, but it was personal in a sermon to your parents, and I edited it out.
1: Oh, really Just because well, I, Now they're going to know. I That's a, well, they They can't find it now. It exist. Uh, you know I That's think I right. actually know the one you're talking about because everyone's like, oh, I wonder if I should say that. I edited it out.
0: I couldn't, I, even when I
1: was talking about Well, this one you might have to edit some out, too. Um, <laughs> so, wow, man. Anyways, uh, we are here today with a very, very special guest. Mm. Our second world famous guest. Oh, our second world, world famous, famous guest. Uh, third now, guest to have a published uh, book of yes. anything. Yes. Uh, we have Brueggemann, Mandy,
0: Russell. Russell, that's right. He they don't,
1: don't, know, they don't know about Russell yet. They don't know about Russell yet. That's right. Um, his name is Tom Thatcher. Yes, he is a was a professor of mine, and when yes. I first went to Bible College, <laughs> and well. now yeah. you're up, you're above professorship. Yes, right? I am a
2: professor of biblical studies, and um, I'm also now working in administration. Are you man. a doctor? Yeah, man. man. I don't know. I yeah, when I met back. you 20 years in '97. Yeah, I was. A, I had. just you get Yeah, I just finished man. When we met with Brueggemann. The, uh, not that I attribute a lot of value to that man, but that's. <laughs> that is when we true, met yeah. with Brueggemann,
0: he kept calling him Mister or just Walter, and I kept calling him Doctor Brueggemann the whole time. And I was like, "Oh crap!" I was trying to work
2: my professor, way. It was the professor, yeah. Brueggemann, professor, professor. Calling yeah.
1: Um. Do you remember having me in class in 1997? It was hermeneutics. <laughs> You, you were younger than me. I do remember that. <laughs> I was a lot younger. And you don't have then. to remember me. It's no, I, I expected man. that
2: you didn't. You were very funny, man. You were funny in class then, too. And yeah. then... And uh, <laughs> you did your work sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> well, cause cause that goes into me. my one Because I was also... That responsibility. I was also your beginner on- and intermediate yeah. Greek.
1: You were a Greek student, too. And dude. then do you wow. remember that... Uh, I don't know if you remember this story. I've well, probably never told you. Like... I, I did awesome 90, so. in beginner intermediate Greek. I had my flashcards, Adele yeah, stuff. Yeah, you were serious, man. You were big on vocabulary, but you didn't really care about uh, hyphenating the words or any accent marks no, or anything.
2: No, who cares about accents? And, and, but so. then in
1: advance, I went to Dr. Weatherly, and he really cared about it. He made you so do all the stuff. So I actually right? went to his office. I was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to do advanced Greek. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, because uh, I, I, I can't you, do it, man. And uh, How he's often like,
2: do you do Greek today, man? How often do you use oh, Greek? Oh, every day button? I got those flashcards you know. still. <laughs> the flashcards.
1: <laughs> they're oh, they're gosh, still sitting gosh. up
0: there. No, oh, so yeah, if yeah, you look, look, I actually look, saw my right flashcard right
1: box when we were moving stuff the other day, and a third of it is, like, dirty from the ones cards I had in your class, and the rest of it's, like, crisp, like, <laughs> you know, pure white. because I hard words, touch them. But uh, no, Dr. Wedley was like, I was like, I can't, you know, I'm not gonna do it. He's like, just do it, you'll be fine. And he gave me a grade. So here I am <laughs> in class with stupid Jody Oddi, who like is taking Greek oh and Hebrew, gosh, yeah. and you're leaving. And he's like, oh, I'll stand up and teach class a day. And I'm like, how do you know any of this stuff? You're the same age as Man, me. He's them. And he's yeah. And and so the way I passed Greek was,
2: I, I ordered some, you, I ordered
1: some papyrus. Like real papyrus, and I wrote my final in Greek, and like made it look old, and I put it in this old box, and I like that, was, and I was Dude. like, and I gave it to Weather, like I found this box buried. <laughs> Are you serious? And he took it, and he's like, "This is the worst Greek ever," <laughs> but because you tried so hard, you can uh, you get creativity you points, can, man. You get creativity points, and somehow I passed. So for those uh, those of class. you who
0: listen, who go to Legend, because Tom was my professor as well. I was, man. I so thought... I took Greek with I took three Three semesters of Greek with you, and I was terrible. No, dude, you so took uh, you took Greek
2: advanced Greek, Greek and uh, Johannine epistles with I me, did, man. I did,
0: and it was brutal. Well, I did prison epistles That's the
2: easiest too. part of the New Testament. I, well, but, like, so the
0: problem, when I was taking... No, nah, you did well, man. When I was taking advanced well. Greek, I was also taking introduction to Hebrew, and our youngest son was born that semester. Oh, I and remember so, that. Yeah, and then I got yeah. mono at the end of that semester. Like, it was a really bad mono, semester. Yeah. I was sick the whole time, and, uh, but, so, if if you think Justin and I are good biblical it's Tom's responsibility it's on Tom. And if you don't play are, it's not can, my fault. Yeah. You can call the hell's wrong with these
2: guys. No, these guys are great, man. You, you are. I was you're a good. bad student awesome though, right? Thing. You you you're a good person, man. <laughs> You have a lot of raw talent, uh, dude, is what I would say. That goes uh, to one of my biggest lessons talent. in life. Raw talent. Is
1: like be, your personality the can get you a, like... a lot further sometimes in your education. Uh, in the business you're in, man, it's all
2: about, it's all about uh, reputation and uh, personality. Well, and, and
0: to your credit, man, I had so many people tell me not to go to seminary. that yes. I, that Especially amongst non-denominational non churches Oh, young yeah. church upstarts. You don't need to go to seminary. A lot of the hyper-conservative guys are starting their own sort of like in-house seminaries or training programs. They are. yep. And everybody told me not to go to seminary, and your class was the first class I took there. New
2: Testament no, introduction, man, was the first one I think you took. No, I took, it was the, the problem,
0: the, it was the harmonization, it was the, the problem of Jesus or... Yeah, I don't it, know what the call what class was called.
2: It was it issues in New Testament Intro? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah. That class, yeah. And so it was one of those a lot of people's minds. I <laughs> still tell people all the time. People's minds. My
0: seminary about my seminary experience was worth every dime I paid for it. I'm glad because of classes like yours. There yeah. were other classes that weren't that. But right. your class was a reason. I would try I scheduled a class of yours every semester. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, because yeah. I hated some of the other classes <laughs> I <like
1: mine. Now, laughs> If you which I consider you are <clears throat> probably um more well versed in the scriptures than any preacher who's up there on Sunday how do you pick a church to go to oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> like how do you like Your decide website, yeah. like man, other websites? Websites. Their website website oh, um, you be, know so the church i
2: go to now uh, which do i do you have to say good things no, I don't have to. <laughs> My wife used to work there, but she doesn't now, so I don't have to say good things. <laughs> no, they, um, the church we go to now is a fairly large church as they go, but it's in a community. Uh, it's it's kind of in a weird place in Cincinnati,
1: man. It's Whitewater Crossing oh, okay. Church. Oh, and Dave Vaughn. I David forgot that you Vaughn went there. there. Do you yeah. know that he, I was the first pastor I ever worked with when I graduated? No, uh, I did not. Yeah, I, in no, Virginia, I when I was, he was in Virginia. you worked. For, that's right. I did know that. He told me that I won't, well, if he listens to this. <laughs> he does so. not listen to this, <laughs> but, I um, assure you.
2: But that's a church. Tr- so like, like, I'm a person, you know, my approach to to the Bible is um, not, uh, I'm not just interested in the academic study of the Bible, I'm interested in like the, how it actually plays out in real world situations in people's lives. So actually, I can listen to anybody, uh, not that um, David is just saying, but listen to anybody mm-hmm. speak or, or preach or do a some kind of applicational thing, because the Bible just has potential to be unpacked in a lot of different ways that I'm not going to be thinking about because I'm looking at it in a more academic context. So, Do you find yourself often challenged? uh... Oh, yeah, because I'm just a bad person, man. So, like, spiritually and morally challenged. (laughs) What kind of Bible are they (laughs) teaching if they're a bad person? I'm just like, no, I'm convicted all the time. But um, the church I go to is it draws from all over the city, but it's in a very economically challenged area. Yeah. So you have people that are like corporate execs going there and entrepreneurs going there on their own businesses. And you literally have homeless people going there. And a lot of the church's presence, my church's presence is in reaching that um, community and serving the community yeah. by offering free things to them like experiences and opportunities and we we just have a lot of emphasis on that. That's important to me. Like I would want to be always involved in a congregation that was yeah. actually trying to enact the gospel in some way like that. So do you find like a lot of scholars
1: don't go to churches because of that?
2: Um, I find a lot of them don't go to church at all because they're burnt out on religion. And <laughs> uh, honestly, um, I'm not necessarily saying like people that I work with, but just in general, right. there's a the the reason that a lot of those people aren't engaged. In the church is the distance. It just you have so like you could say, dude What happens is you you start to see more and more the distance between like the biblical vision for right. God's people and what the institutional church is. And if that's a big deal to you, you overcome that by saying you know. Just because I love people and want to help people, and and help the church do whatever it's going to do, right. you look to that. But there's a lot of discussion. Well, I imagine there. a lot
1: of churches are not open to people so so when you you know for instance uh like Chris Keith with the illiterate Jesus which I think is I think it's so much fun that's what a cool yeah, concept let's uh-huh. talk about that but most churches would not be open to people's thoughts or things that they've discovered intellectually. I think you said it one time people have an intellectual horizon <laughs> they do and they can't uh-huh. pop out of that so I feel like it's hard for people who have had maybe larger thoughts to challenge people they'll be like, yeah it probably is
2: true or that's probably officially true man i think when you
1: get into
2: my observation is when you get into individual churches there's actually a lot of people who want to hear that because their own um horizon is not fixed mm-hmm. by the church's culture yet especially newer people coming in who are really engaged with um people Though, man, i think have a um the church is at a transitional moment and people are Interested in there's sort of a primitivism in popular yeah. spirituality where people are looking to go back to something earlier. Right. So like, I think that's why you see like in in the commercialized uh, popular forms of faith on History Channel or Discovery Channel. There's no end of interest in yep. things about the Dead Sea Scrolls or what was happening in mm-hmm. the life of the historical Jesus or what actually happened with Noah's flood and stuff like that because they're looking for something that goes back. To a more primitive, you know, more primitive, like earlier period to find meaning in that. There's
0: an idea that Jesus works, but it's the church that people don't know what to do with. You'll never hear somebody say, Mm -hmm. I'll screw Jesus. I didn't. I heard one I,
1: lady say okay, that. So, Why
0: would you say that about Jesus? Man? She told no, me. No, no, about... she knows somebody that said that. No, no. You never hear like a lady, an man, I, mean, I hang out with a lot cool. of
1: atheists, and this one lady was like, I'm not an atheist. I'm an anti theist, and I hate all of it. And she's like, I was like, Jeez. But yeah. those people are rare, right? <laughs> if most people, if
0: you say, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. Jesus, taught, Jesus taught this, yeah. most people are going to be like, man, I can get down with that. Yeah, yeah no yeah, one hates the message of Jesus. And then they say, but I don't know what to do with the church probably especially culturally in america generally over the last 20 years the church has been in a weird spot
2: it's hard to get into the church man i mean if you're really coming from the outside that the the apparatus i'm just observation i mean you guys are the experts on that but the apparatus (laughs) of getting (laughs) into it and the and the learning curve um to if you're not you know so i i teach at a school that has a divinity college and a seminary that's where I met you guys, right? Yeah. Uh, but we also have like business programs and education programs and psych and all that kind of stuff, like that, all the other liberal arts stuff. And as um, students are, I just noticed as people are coming into our programs, we require them to do a certain amount of, of Bible and theology, no matter where they come from. But increasingly over the last decade, we've had to continually change that curriculum because people's like even rudimentary awareness of biblical or ethical or theological concepts just isn't there. And I say, when I say rudimentary, I mean um, they just don't know anything. But what we've also observed, and I'm talking here about uh, people that have been in the church, yeah, uh, adults or, or kids who've gone through the church. But at the same time, um, what's interesting to me about that, and I think the church has to figure out how to do this too. We're trying to figure out how to do it institutionally. Uh, if somebody comes to a college and you say you got to take this class on something in the bible you got to take a survey of the old testament um and they come in like well i never read the old testament i don't know anything about that never went to church in my life you know i'm just i'm coming to school i want to get an education you're making me take this class um they don't actually they don't know much about anything that they have to study right so they take a class in shakespeare like well i don't know anything about shakespeare i never read shakespeare i hate all that old ye stuff and all of that. But with the, with the biblical content, there's an emotional difference about that. Mm-hmm. If a person difference. says, Well, I never took a class in microeconomics, um, I don't know anything about microeconomics, that's okay. But then they say, Well, I never took a class uh, on, uh, on uh, something, you know, biblical ethics. Right. They feel really actually guilty or intimidated Hmm. about that class much more than they would feel about the microeconomics class, or the Shakespeare class. So when you put that into the church context, you know, when people are, even the people that are interested in that message, I think when they're coming in, it's the apparatus of, I just don't know what these people are talking about. It's it's not that you're stepping into a running stream. So like you guys, and you guys preach very accessibly, um, although with depth. Especially Jason, yeah. So like what? I, I said, especially, especially him. Especially Jason. Especially him, man. Great. Um, there's depth there. Yeah, well, it was this guy. But true. even I mean, if you just don't have any exposure to that, you don't know how to. Uh,
1: you yeah. don't know what you don't know what's there. You're you're stepping right. into the middle of something that's not been going on for two thousand years. That's what, hard. Whenever I think of the biblical institution, as far as uh, higher learning. Um, I, t- I you know i meet people all the time who went to our particular school or any school and they like hate it they're angry they yeah. didn't get what they wanted they didn't and yeah, i've true. never felt like that because i feel like man i and it was the biblical content that was like that that helps me now like that opened my world to all these possibilities and now as i grow older and experience the world in different ways i get to explore those possibilities and i know how to explore them i know where to go and without that, I would be just uh, you know a, a charismatic yeah. person who's like, "Oh, yeah, well, everyone love each other or <laughs> something like that. Um, however, all the ministry classes I took there were a kind of a joke. like you can't there's nothing. like there is nothing. It's a joke, man. <laughs> it was a the mandatory man
0: class I took there was
1: the worst thing I did. In oh man education. the, uh, what it was bad. because I was always a proponent, <laughs> I mean, of, this should be a, this should be a two year <laughs> school. Where I'm getting a biblical education, and let's say, hey, let's leave the... Because ministry, you you can't... I, the only way I learned is by doing it. Like, you can't... There's nothing in the classroom that'd be like... Um, and I think I've heard teachings very similar to... I felt too. the same way... You gotta do what you gotta when do. When I got
0: out of my content classes in seminary, and into these church ministry classes, like, well, this works probably where the guy the instructor saying would work. Right. It wouldn't work for our people. My church wouldn't know what to do with this. And just like I so when oh, I started you're a church, man,
2: yeah. So <laughs> when I started uh, yeah, so when I started as a public school teacher,
0: I sent a letter I sent an email yes. to the dean of the School of Education in Miami saying I am ill prepared for my job and I'd like a refund on the product I just purchased. This product's fault <laughs> did they give it to no. you? No. <laughs> no. But and, and as I was talking to other teachers you can't teach somebody how to be a teacher, right? You just right. you just flounder. Everybody that's a first year teacher, I'm like, well, look, there's just the first three years and you're just right. floundering. You just learn how to do it. Ministry is the exact same way. You can't. Very much. So, it's all, right. and it all well, is contextualized.
1: And the problem I saw, especially when I left the school, graduated, came back, got my master's, and worked there.
0: Almost got your master's.
1: Oh, yeah, you I still mean, own class away. I got, got fired. fired before I could finish it, man. We gotta, we gotta finish <laughs> the <laughs> I, got, I got fired before be I could finish out it. Of like, it's, been yeah, it's been too many years. Yeah, no, like it's been too many years now. But it's world karaoke. It was one class. It was one class. I got <laughs> fired right <laughs> for it, man. Can you get him on a lottery? you
2: can tell people you're a graduate student. Paul Preston. No, I did not like that guy,
1: man. I don't even know. He was so mean. Anyways, um. no But I saw that, like, um. It was, especially in that particular place, there, there was one way to do ministry and other avenues weren't really accepted or explored. So even the way that we do it here, um, I felt like is way different than anything I learned. That was cool. But if you went and said, hey, let's, you know, because I feel like the future of being a pastor of church is going to be more bivocational, if not even to some degree unpaid. It's not, a, I don't think it's going to be, unless you're at a larger institution that won't die. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you're not going. It's not going to be doing it for a paycheck anymore, or it's a or it's going to be a very bivocational world because I think that's I feel like that's where it's been heading. Uh, but you couldn't teach that in school because you're trying to produce people who get money to pay back to the institution to pay off their debt, and um, so what I've experienced and what I think is I there's so we know two churches in town who are like saying hey we're starting. You know these classes where we want to teach people, and I'm like, that's okay, but I feel like they they're missing out on what I got in seminary, but they're trying to compensate for something that people aren't doing, and I feel like it's a big mess. Yeah,
2: man. Well, what you said before, uh, Jason, about your experience as a teacher, it's so in a general way. I'm not saying this to be defensive, but generally speaking, like in every field, people feel like college did not prepare me for yeah. my job. And companies like corporate has always held that against higher ed. Yeah. Like you guys don't really prepare people for that. Although, I mean, we have the most powerful economy in the history of the world, and in our educational system has produced it. Right. So in fact, it it does work. But I think when people say that, what they mean is what you guys are saying that, especially the the role of the church. It's true in corporate though too. But work and ministry, especially, are so contextualized. Right. To the very narrow context. That um, so there's certain principles like um, psychological uh, counseling theories and things like that, or biblical theological things you just need to know because okay, you're right. considered an expert in that topic because people do view you guys as experts in that topic. That's Apparently, just part of your some more than others. Part of your social. It <laughs> so deeper than
1: <laughs> Well, it depends on again whether it's
2: Jason Priest or you do, but, like, um, <laughs> yeah, but they do. Yeah. So like, uh, but it's very very hard to like prepare a person for. Any specific context, right. so like you really have to learn um, have to learn that on the ground. But I think I think you're so. What I see, dude, to what you just said, and I don't I don't disagree. I think there's going to be two paths going forward in the future of the church. You're still going to have in cities like Cincinnati and Indianapolis and Louisville and in the, the Midwest. You're going to continue to have these uh, fairly financially stable uh, organizational. Churches that are either attached to denomination or independent, but they've got money and they've got traction and they're going to continue to employ full-time professionals to do that because we're in a specialization culture. So like if I, if I'm a, if I'm a specialist in my job, you know, and I'm going to use the services of a church, I expect you to be a specialist in what, in what you're doing and other areas and this is true cross cross sectionally all through America, but especially in like the post Christian areas of the country, mm-hmm. like all of the Northeast, all of the West. Well, no, like Southern California is pretty religious, but um, areas like Greater Seattle, where you have like a nine percent attendance yeah. at church, hmm. um, cities like Boston, where it's about three percent. Wow, I didn't know. There's just not a sufficient. Um, there's two things. One, there's just not sufficient money to support right. that organizationally. But there's also just a different model of the church is going to have to emerge right. to engage people in that culture. Um, one, Jason and I talked one time uh, about, we've talked about it several times, so it appeared to him, but uh, we, were, we were observing that the church as an institution has never produced an original social form. It's always just adapted itself to existing social right. forms, so like the very first churches were either in synagogues or they were uh, they either met or like a synagogue which they mm-hmm. came out of or they had they had dinner together, like you see in Paul's letters. They right. literally you go to somebody's right. house and eat dinner and drink and that's what people did in that culture. They went to banquets.
0: That's what we do now.
2: And then the church evolved <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Uh, then it evolved into, you know, it took on the uh, it became an underground movement. So they have these funerary societies in the second century and clubs that churches adapted that model. They, after Constantine, the church adapted the model of the Basilica, which was already a cultural institution that they just took that. I mean, in modern America, every church, including your church, is a 501c3 not-for-profit yep. corporation. And that's the model we've adopted. So we, we've The church never said, hey, we're going to do... We're going to create a brand new social form that nobody's ever seen before. Right. That's how we're. That's how we're going to work. So I think you're right. To where you started, the church in America has traditionally been structured like kind of a, a not-for-profit, sort of like a lodge. Like that's why back in the 50s and 60s, everybody felt like the Masonic lodge when that still existed was competing oh, well, with the my church. Oh, and... still like hardcore mason. Is he, is he's he like, like, like Grand Illuminati, Wizard Illuminati, master. There's a nice, there's a nice Masonic thing. No, he's uh, like high up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think
1: they call him Grand Masters. They're like, isn't that like a gay, gay, Like the food bombing, <laughs> like he's
2: underground. <laughs> Although that's another organization that's just have, having to go back underground. But the church is going to have to do the same thing and adapt itself to other forms. And so like one of the forms that's adapted are, are a guy like you who on the surface you look like a business owner You know, a successful entrepreneur. Uh, You know what I mean. No, you are an entrepreneur. You got, you got, uh, you own, you know, a coffee shop, tea room that's also an art gallery. You produce your own art. You do stand up and all that stuff. But and then you do the the church is like another
1: right entrepreneurial enterprise for you. It's not successful at any of them. I'm just starting. (laughs) You're you're successful (laughs) all to. No, but I'm sure. I think that's going to see. Everybody's a hustler. And
2: in certain areas that's the if the church is going to survive at all that's the only form in which it's going to survive and what Mm. all of that to say where you started man traditional theological higher education was actually theological higher education was the original higher education right so it always grew up alongside the idea of a state church in britain or germany or in the in catholicism then it grew up alongside of in our cultural context you had the denomination so Harvard Divinity School is like the oldest college right. in the United States. Right. And William and Mary in Baltimore is a very old, old seminary there. I didn't know that. Grew up alongside of the um, the church as an institution in society. And really what I think has happened is uh, you know, theological higher ed hasn't caught up with where you guys are, like people like you are, that I'm not going to be able to. The way you want to do ministry is reaching a population um, that really isn't, can't financially support like four or five step people right right so how do you prepare a person to be effective in two different worlds like in right. the corporate world and in a leadership role and I t- I will tell you t- t- this though too um, when it's worth saying that that's really more that like that's more news to the white church because mm. American black churches have been bivocational vocational from the very from the very from very beginning, beginning. Oh, um, and so they've kind of had a better model for that where Black pastors, a lot of times, like some denominations like the AME church, you would never have a full-time pastor. You have a full-time job and you do pastoral right. work because that's how they've learned to survive. Right. But I think that you guys, I don't know if you feel this way, that maybe gives you a better, you're able to connect to people's lives more, do you find, right because of that? Because you are well, living in the same way or space that we they We also
1: do. don't have to do things that are dependent on you, making sure you show up next week and give money. I feel like it we allows us to be We have never
0: chased, we never felt like we had to chase the money anywhere. I like the so what, you don't have to. what I noticed was that the Presbyterian church I used to work at there was a clear sort of hierarchical separation between the head pastor who lived here and you could be around him, you could have a relation with him, you were never going to be his peer or his friend. He kept people pretty distant. Yeah. We don't do because of and because we work and do all these kind of other things like I'm with my kids or I'm involved in the community. Those kind of things go away. If I'm spending time with you regularly, any notion of me being able to hide is, or pretend that I'm somebody I'm not is going to fall away. Right. Because nobody can keep up the charade for very long. The charade, this guy who wasn't a good person in any way. Wasn't, <laughs> what was not name who he was, name he was he, or what you're everybody talking about? about he wasn't a good moral person. wasn't a good ethical person. Jeez, but he man. can maintain the facade. More. Right? Am I right? Yeah, I totally can he can maintain the facade because he had no real relationships. Right. He didn't have. He didn't let people get anywhere close to see through that. Those of us who were close saw through it. Right. Yeah. We can't do that in our context. Everybody knows exactly. Everybody doesn't. Feel like, but in their life a the problem.